Hello, and you are back in the Velvet Room with Joker the Fool. This is our 55th episode, and today we'll be discussing that quantum computers are not the future, but the present, big budget gaming is not sustainable, and burning for nothing. So we're going to get right into this with quantum computers, and now uh, quantum computers have been a thing for a while, but now... They're really a thing. So there's two articles that I saw in the news, and I, I don't have them pulled up, and I don't really need them um, to go through them to illustrate the point that I'm about to make, and that quantum computing is uh, an actual thing that's affecting society. So the first one was that there was a new uh, discovery in theoretical physics. I think there was a new type of particle that was discovered. But anyway, um, physicists and scientists and that um, elk are using quantum computers to... Uh, calculate advanced uh, mo scientific models, make predictions, discover, you know, these sorts of things in uh, quantum physics and theoretical physics that were, weren't possible beforehand. And <clears throat> the bigger thing, and I probably should have gotten an article for this, but apparently Apple is um, doing um, anti-hacking measures against quantum computing. So quantum computers are going to show up more in the news along with alternative forms of computing than the regular uh, silicone semiconductors that we all know and love and kind of hate. Uh, so whether it's superconductors or quantum computers or molecular computers, uh, that's going to be the next big uh, evolution in uh, computing technology is moving away from the current um, microprocessor technology that we have and going into quantum computers or molecular computers and the um, computational power will unlock by doing that is going to be astronomical just being able to run learning language models um, on the quantum computers and comb through all the internet with quantum computers and all these sorts of things the um, productivity will um, will be able to experience the sort of things we'll be able to do when uh, quantum computers become as ubiquitous uh, to the average consumer as smartphones is going to be interesting. It's also going to be a little bit scary, but it's something I want you to keep in mind and be aware of that quantum computers are here. Uh, people are using them. They're, they're factoring them into their, um, you know, cybersecurity plans and all these sorts of things. So I, I do think this is a bit closer on the horizon than you'd otherwise uh, think it would be. Uh, and that, that's really what the point that I wanted to make is that quantum, quantum computing and alternative forms of computing are a modern um, thing rather than just science fiction that doesn't really exist yet. They are things that exist and they're going to have a role in our modern daily lives in the coming years just like computers do nowadays. Uh, so that's the uh, that's the first thing. And if you uh, are still with me, thank you. Like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Velvet Room Publishing has launched paid subscriptions. Uh, so there's a paid subscription post. You can go through my Substack and find that if you want an outline of all the um, paid um, perks if you get if you are uh, kind enough to pay for the um, paid Substack. Uh, then you'll you'll see that outline, which includes an uh, extra episode of this podcast. So the first and third Friday every month, starting uh, next month, March of 24, we'll have an extra episode that you have to pay for to listen to. But um, that's a long-winded thing, uh, a long-winded uh, show that I got into. We're going to move right into the next topic, which is big-budget gaming not being sustainable. So there's been a bunch of layoffs across the gaming industry, and Sony just announced, I believe, 900 uh, positions are being axed all across 
um, their their global uh, studios, which includes uh, Insomniac. So about 900 positions. Um, super massive games. Uh, the developers of Until Dawn, if I'm not mistaken, have laid off a lot of people. Idos Interactive canceled their Deus Ex game and laid off a bunch of people. So the big gaming companies are not making the amount of money hand over fist that they were at the peak of the microtransaction uh, online service era, and it's showing. Uh, and can you know combine that with all the COVID stuff and inflation and all these sorts of uh, economic factors means that uh, gaming isn't nearly the cash cow as it used to be. Sure, there's a lot of revenue, and the revenue for a lot of these companies are very high, billions and billions of dollars, but the profit margins aren't there for these companies that feel comfortable to expand and to even maintain the current workforces that they have, which is why these layoffs are happening, which are extremely unfortunate. But it's a product of the industry when you have a game like Skull and Bones being a quadruple A game that we should be lucky to pay only $70 for, and it basically crashes and burns. Eight hours of uh, a free play time as a trial, and you can't even break a million players. Uh, it's not... Um, nearly enough to just have um, something that looks pretty and can play decently well to get people's attention. There's older games, there's uh, other forms of entertainment to compete with, there's uh, in the independent game scene, there's, uh, like, like I said, older games, but retro games, mods for uh, older games, so there's so many things if you want to just stick to video games. Uh, let alone all the other forms of way uh, of entertainment you can engage in um, rather than video games that the modern triple A and I guess at this point quadruple A developers have to contend with uh, in order to get that revenue and they're not contending with it well enough to sustain these big businesses and then uh, saying these big business practices and of course you've got all of the DEI nonsense and all the corporate compliance and all of this absolute nonsense that does absolutely nothing um, to make the company a better company more profitable to make the product worth engaging with more and thus increasing the amount of revenue so you're just pissing money away uh, and then the end result is that you have to do layoffs uh, you have to fire people you have to contract you have to cancel games and all these sorts of things and I do think uh, at the end of the day, this is probably a good thing. Uh, a lot of these uh, companies definitely need a reality check in terms of the, the content that they're making, all, all these sorts of things. So I, I definitely think um, we're going to come out on the other side better. And as, uh, you know, independent uh, third-party engines like Unreal Engine 5 and Unity become more powerful, more capable, you're going to see the indie market scene be able to really compete well with triple a gaming i mean that's why helldivers 2 did so well uh even despite the bugs that's why pal world uh took the world by storm is because you don't need the game to be at the absolute peak of graphical um ability and, and fidelity in order to draw people and you just need an engaging gameplay loop and the right um presence on the internet to uh make a, a game um blow up and that's what what happens these days rather than it being um, pushed onto people through uh, these, you know, corporate um, advertising means, you know, magazines and TV advertisement and all these sorts of things. It's just going the way of the dodo, and things can ha rise up organically through the internet, and no amount of chucking money um, at people is going to get them to play Skull and Bones or, or the uh, next big game 
if people feel like they're being fleeced by the companies and they are. Uh, I mean, that's why you had um, Kill the Suicide, Kill the Justice League, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League didn't hit the mark, didn't meet expectations uh, because people wanted um, a good superhero game from Rocksteady and that game wasn't that. It was um, a live service um, it was a live service game that shat on the Arkhamverse and had a whole bunch of DEI nonsense from Sweet Baby Inc. shoved into it. Uh, and this is a problem that's endemic in the global industry. So you, we talk about how, you know, the Japanese are so much better with all these sorts of things. And they, and they really um, are, in a, in a lot of ways, when you have Square Enix and they have an ethics department all these sorts of things, especially with the, the localization, because they're going through the official channels or the approved channels because it's a very corporate collectivist culture there uh in a lot of ways and they they will go through the people who have um the bad intentions and use that to uh censor and tone things down i mean that's why you have um tifa being nerfed in terms of her character design and all these sorts of things which feel about however you want to feel about it it's just the fact that you've got all these people who hate um Japanese culture, the intended original message, and they want to change it to push a message that um, is acceptable to the Western audience, which when they say that means it's something that won't offend them. It's not about um, uh, making it something that's good for you, something that you care about. It's about wagging the finger in your face and saying, hey, you, you can't have this because we think it will offend you. Uh, or, or you're you're going to feel the wrong type of way about it, or whatever it is, and that you know all factors into it. And this is the sort of um, you know the system that needs to buckle and collapse um, if we want to have a better gaming industry. And that means you're going to have to have these unfortunate times where a lot of these companies go through laying off people, which is unfortunate. And I, I don't want anyone to lose their jobs. And I'm going to say it's a good thing that there are people who have to clear their desks and get on. On the unemployment line uh, but it's just a natural consequence of the decisions that upper management are making in these companies like ubisoft and sony and um i think whoever owns um idos interactive is it microsoft whoever you you know what i mean but that's um the spiel i had about the video game industry today we're going to move on to the last topic this is burning for nothing so you had aaron bushnell 25 year old service member in the air force i believe was so moved by the um palestine the israel hamas conflict that he burned himself self-immolation uh in front of the israeli embassy in washington dc uh saying free palestine because the american military uh, government is committing evil genocide against the innocent Palestinians, uh, and the only way he could think of stopping it was to uh, light himself on fire and say free, free Palestine. I've seen pictures of the video. I haven't seen the video in its entirety. Honestly, I, I think a lot of this is a bit of a psyop. You know, again, it's like, why do you have your tinfoil hat on, Joker? Why, why do you say everything's a psyop? I mean, you think about all the things going on in the news, the fact that this is an election year, so things are going to go a bit crazy in an election year. Uh, so I, I, I do think there would be reasons to um, push this onto people as a narrative. It keeps people distracted. And, and look, uh, Aaron Bushnell didn't do anything to make Palestine more free to stop or, or cool down the conflict in um 
you know Palestine or or that that region of the uh, Middle East. Um, nobody on uh, his side of the fence, the Free Palestine people, were <laughs> meaningfully support what he did. They're they're arguing whether we can say rest in power to him because he's white. And you have all uh, the Muslims, not all the Muslims, but a lot of Muslims saying, well, good riddance to him uh, for him dying anyway. So he, he didn't really create this grand unity between the people who support Palestine, want to free Palestine, uh, and of course the Zionists and um of course, Zionists are, are going to feel the exact same way, and it's just going to further embolden them to um, be on the side of Israel and to support and sign off on what the IDF is doing. And uh, honestly, this all just justifies the IDF and Hamas digging their heels in and going forward on the current situation. It's where you can point and say, well, this is what people are doing because of this war. It's a, it's a really important thing, so we, we have to see it through to the end. And you can say that uh, on either side of of the fence that you find yourself on. Now, for me, I, I've said this before when this all started going down, was that uh, if you aren't uh, in Gaza or the West Bank or Israel and you're actively a member of the IDF or Hamas, you really don't have um, any sort of uh, meaningful stake in this matter. Now, of course, you know, there's a huge humanitarian crisis going on in Gaza and Israel. And, you know, both sides, like I said, both Hamas and the IDF contribute to that humanitarian crisis, which I, I want to end. But the, the only way it's meaningfully going to end is if everyone puts down the pitchforks and says, hey, let's try and be uh, peaceful. And that's not going to happen until there's either one state, and that one state is either going to be Palestine or Israel. They're, they're going to uh, keep um, shooting each other until there's nobody left standing. That's really what it seems like. And the only way to de-escalate is if people go and realize that you know, it, like like I said, if you are uh, an American college student, thousands of miles away, and you're so deeply invested in either side, uh, whether it's Palestine or, or um, Israel, uh, you just need to take a step back, calm down, and focus on not intervening and saying this is a complex geopolitical issue that isn't going to be resolved by me screeching autistically about it, nor is it going to be solved by me setting myself on fire and committing suicide. You just He just wasted his life away. Now, he was 25 my age. There's a whole bunch of things, a whole, you know, you know 50 something odd years of life he could have lived where he could have done good, where he could have de-escalated, where he could have helped build a more peaceful society that he shirked by doing this, uh, um, you know, extreme act of protest, which, you know, if you want to do it, that's fine. Well, not fine. If you want to do it, you know, he did it, that's one thing, but the, the effectiveness of uh, this kinetic action is missing the mark and the investment of your only life on this planet, um, cutting it at the age of 25 and just saying, I'm going to go out in a literal blaze of glory, uh, is really not going to do anything. And as, like I said before, this isn't really creating any sort of meaningful cohesion between the um, supporters of Palestine, whether, you know, the ones that are actually <laughs> fighting the conflict, you know, in Gaza, in the West Bank, um, or the, you know, the ones who are international. It doesn't, doesn't really, you don't really see any of this unity, you see some, some people like that, but it's being drowned out by um, just just all this autistic screeching in, in my mind. That's what what I'm really seeing, and of course, you know, this isn't going to get the uh, the Zionists, the people who want Israel to be 
um, in complete control of that region of land to stop what they're doing or to feel um, any other way. If anything, it just emboldens them. So that's really what I had to say. That was my take on Aaron Bushnell. And again, I, I do think, you know, this was something he could have been groomed into, especially considering he was in the military. So he, the U.S. government and those three-letter agencies would have more access to him than the average citizen. Uh, this was something he was groomed and radicalized into doing at this specific time because there's other things going on that the federal government doesn't want you to focus on. And it's really hard to say what are those things uh, because there's so many things going on. There's so many things that we don't know about. So keep your eyes peeled. Uh, that's, that's all I got to say for this um, episode. Uh, thank you for listening. Please consider subscribing um, to the Substack, YouTube, and Rumble. And again, paid subscriptions are live on the Substack. You can check out Velvet Room Publishing. Uh, paid subscriptions going live. That post will give you all the information on what the paid content is. And if it entices you and you pay, I thank you so much. We're heading into the outro now. Thank you for being in the Velvet Room with Joker the Fool. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe, whether you're listening on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, or Substack. And be sure to subscribe to my Substack, velvetroompublishing.substack.com, to keep up with Machine to Man and all my other projects.